Underwear for every man. Brief. Trunk. Boxer brief. Boxer. Fruit of the loom. FruitGuyFans.com Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most underrated Marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome, amazing, adjacent adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I, according to what is written in my underwear, am Rick. Random banter, random banter, random banter. Way out in the water, see it swimming. Random banter time, buddy. Talk to me, tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia. <gasps> Today. Uh, I, I've i got no clue. None whatsoever. I just, I mean, I don't know. It's a Pixies song. Okay. <laughs> just, just, mm, just. Fight club. Okay. Uh, where is my mind? Oh. Where is my mind? Where is my mind? Where oh. is my mind? And why would I pick that for this issue? Oh, because uh, Doctor Doom has, lose, has lost his mind. I got it. Yep, he's, <laughs> yep, he's got he's got noodle problems, and they need to renoodle him. Okay, all right, that that's good. That's fair. That's perfectly <laughs> perfectly fine. <laughs> Plain and simple and easy. I'm not going to lie; it took me a long time to try and figure out something that would fit in that. And this morning, that finally clicked. I'm like, oh, where's my mind by the Pixies? Well, all right, I'm, good. I'm glad because once we get to the beer, I, I, I think we'll be kind of stumbling a bit here. But I, I think that there is still a match here besides me just finding a beer, thinking I can throw it in, and then realizing at the last minute, like right now, that I maybe misread the beer and thought it said something else. And this is where we're at. So, <laughs> Well, it might just be a beer episode where we go, mm, and that's a beer. Or, hey, I love it when I get to stretch and really try and figure out what connects it in. So it'll be fun for that. Hey, I wanted to drop something in here because I just kind of started something new here. I was given an opportunity by a friend of the show, a guy who actually listened to some of the early shows we did and gave me some very good encouragement saying that we did a good thing. And that's a friend of mine, Sean Wynn, guy who I met at the now defunct Nerd Out bar. But he is in Portland. He is a promoter of pop culture and comic books and fandom. And he's got a little business that he runs called Strange Solutions. And he asked if me and some other people would start reviewing some different books to help try to spread the word about them. And I said, yeah, that sounds like fun. So he gave me some of the books to review and... I am more than happy to start talking about some of them. So I may just drop in a review of a book I've read in here in this spot. I thought this would be a nice place to spread the word about it, even if it's not power pack related. But I got the opportunity to read something called Noir is the New Black Watson and Holmes Volume 1. And this is written by Carl Ballers. And the artist is Rick Leonardi and Larry Stroman. And... That's a pretty good little book. This is a Sherlock Holmes and Watson book, except with a twist. They are dropped in modern times, modern New York City in Harlem, and they are characterized by two African-American males. So it is a twist on a lot of the Holmes-Watson dynamics. The It's not the classic 
Conan Doyle, Sherlock Holmes, but it fits. It works. I think it's a very clever, a very fresh take on those characters, and I think it's a good story. This is a really good book. I guess it came out back in 2014, but it's getting re-released. A new remastered edition is coming back out now, and it's getting put out by Diamond Books, and it's got a new cover by Carrie Randolph, and it's pretty good. Good. I was very happy reading it. Well, <laughs> to a sense. Some of the subject matter inside, it's a little like, well, it's a murder mystery kind of thing, and there's a lot of a lot of things going on. A couple of things are well depressing in there, but it's well written. It's beautiful art, and it is a gripping story, and it's a fresh take on something we we've seen a lot of. It's You see a lot of different takes on Sherlock Holmes, and it's kind of fun to see where you can put that character and archetype into different things. But this is a good use of that universe and alternating it just a little bit. So I, I really enjoyed reading this, and I think that this is a good book that I would highly recommend to any of our listeners to check it out. And once again, that is Noir is the New Black Watson and Holmes Volume 1. So a little plug from your buddies over here. Yeah, I'm excited to read that one. It sounds like it'd be a lot of fun. Here's the only thing that I'm not liking about it from your description of it. Sure. Is that it originally came out in 2014, and doing math means that's nine years ago. And how did that happen? Man, where's that time going? Where's my <laughs> mind? Where's my time? That is just shocking to me how time is just flowing away like water through a sieve. Well, part of that time gets taken up by doing things like today, where our entire city got shut down by a snowstorm, and so we all got stuck at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Let's see. Aurora had the weekend, and then she had Monday off because it was President's Day, and then Tuesday off because it was some sort of like teacher conference-y kind of training kind of thing. She went back to school on Wednesday. Well, she kept us up all that night on Tuesday night because she was like, oh, my ear hurts. Now it doesn't. And I'm just going to roam around and just keep you awake all night long. Get her to school a couple of hours later. Yep, she's got an ear infection. We have to go pick her up, take her back home, cuddle her, get her to the doctor's office, go, yeah, it's an ear infection, pick up the meds and everything. And it's just like, well, you've had a half day at school and now it's a snow day and tomorrow's going to be a snow day. So it's like, oh, sweet. You had a four hour school week this week. Cool. So that's what we've been doing. But we, she's feeling a bit better, which is, or a lot better, which is nice. And I seem to be mostly over the month long of illnesses that I've been packing on. So we've been going outside and playing in the snow and stuff. In fact, that's what I was just doing with her just prior to uh, recording. We went out and played snow for a little while, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I like the snow. I love the snow. It's so pretty and just neat. We went with a, on a walk with our neighbor down to a coffee, coffee shop today and. It's just really nice. It's really good. I have not really been out in the snow except to go outside and say it's cold out here. I have been working all day because <laughs> I get to work from home and I got done with work and I ate dinner and I came down here. So I will take yep. your word for it that snow is fun. I think I made one snowball. That was about it. But yeah. I made several. But yeah, it is also quite cold out there. It is. I can understand a lot of people walking outside and nope and going back in. Well, I'm in. I'm still in t-shirt and shorts. So what can you do? <laughs> <laughs> Stay inside where it's warm and cozy. Let's move on to talk about this comic book. This comic book where Dr. Doom, I guess, loses his mind. I guess. But let's find out how we got here by asking Jeff to tell us what happened last episode. Spider-Man misses being a teacher, but as luck would have it, a substitute teaching gig is offered to him at the Avengers Academy by Hank Pym after he helped the Future Foundation in a microverse kaiju fight. Spidey flounders to connect with his at-risk-of-supervillainy charges, so he takes them on patrol where they have a run-in with the Psycho Man, who makes these students hate and want to kill their temporary teacher. 
Now that the Spider-Man was actually Hank Pym's second choice after Ben Grimm turned him down, two-sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. And, you know, the more I'm thinking about this, the more I think that this beer is going to work for our little chat here and have it match up with this book. But uh, why don't you just go ahead and pull it on out of your paper bag and... We'll talk about it. It is Boss Rambler by Bad Habits. And it's an Indian tale. Read read that again. You said Bad Habits. Rad Habits. Okay, a little bit of light was reflecting on that. Rad Habits. That is exactly (laughs) what I did. I thought it said Bad Habits until a few moments before we started recording. And I said, wait, that says Rad Habits. You did the same thing I did. I really thought it said Bad Habits. Our expectations were shattered by this beer. It's a yellow and beer can. It looks bright, dank, radical. West Coast is the story time on it. It has kind of a block imagery of what looks like uh, binoculars on it. Yeah, yeah. Now, let's be clear here. It is Rad Habits by Boss Rambler Beer Club. It does. Oh, the Boss Rambler is the name of the beer club, not the name of the beer. Okay, but either one works. So because I really think that this works. If I was thinking it was bad habits, what Mm -hmm. bad habits do you think we could be talking about? Oh, let's see. Well, uh, okay, I'm going to let you in on a secret. It's going to be the same as my rad habits, which would be Ben resorting to alcohol to ease his wounded emotional state. That would be a good one. And it could be a rad habit, depending on how you're looking at it. Um, I'm going to drink a beer, Rick. It's a rad habit. Probably not. (laughs) We could also say bad habits. Bad habits of Val bringing in strays. That's a bad habit. Bad habits of Ben. (laughs) Bad habits with Ben with his anger management problems. Yep, yeah, yeah. Bad habits of Doom being a really insufferable house guest. Bad habits of Sue by letting Reed get away with this kind of crap all the time. (laughs) Oh my gosh, yes. That is, uh, yeah. But we can also sit there and talk about Boss Rambler and how Boss Rambler, well, we've got a boss who has been rambled. And that would be Mm -hmm. Doom. He has been a rambled. Mm -hmm. His brain is all rambled up. Yes, it is. Which is is totally an expression that we have heard for years. We don't need to talk about its origins. Let's just move on. Yep. So this is an Indian pale ale. I poured a perfect beer. (laughs) It is. So this is a very nice straw colored beer. And I got the perfect amount of head on it. Just it's like a nice, I don't know, inch, inch and a half (laughs) of head on there. And Smell is Indian Pale Ale. It's an IPA smell. I don't know what to tell you. It smells like a fruity, musty IPA. Yeah. There's definitely passion fruit. Probably. Sounds good. Kind of a passiony fruit smell. A little musty passion fruit smell to it. Yeah. And yeah, like Rick was saying, it's a little, little haze to it. Very bubbly. But it is a beautiful golden straw color. Not bad tasting either. It's got a little Hmm. bit of the, the sharpness at the... That, that hits mid-drink on it. Finishes pretty nicely. Up front, get some fruit tastes in there. Not too heavy on the hop taste. It's not too bad. This would be a really good, refreshing summer beer. It is effervescent. It is a uh, fizzy. It yeah. is it is very sparkly on the tongue. It is very froth kind of uh, flavor on the tongue where it's just like, well, I thought I got the carbonation out and it just foams, foams right up on the tongue. It's very sparkly that way. Yeah. At the front end, I'm feeling very fruit notes. It then does go into the kind of the IPA sharp. And then it does have a pleasant aftertaste on it as well. No, this is a a nice little beer. 
I think you're right. Probably in a snowy 20 degree day, maybe not the best beer on a nice sunny, warm summer day, spring day. Perfect beer. Yes. Yeah, this would be this would be a very refreshing summer beer. It tastes pretty light and it is very sparkly. It makes you it's like ah, it just, it has a cooling function going on with all that carbonation that kind of hits your tongue. Yeah. Not a winter beer. Not a winter beer. (laughs) But we will still go ahead and drink it in the winter because that's where we're at and that's what we do. So let's talk about a comic book, I guess. We could do that. Okay. And by doing that, we'll talk about the credits. And those are Future Foundation, issue number two, June 2011, Doomination. Credits, writer, Jonathan Hickman, penciler, Steve Epting, inkers, Steve Epting, Rick Magyar, colorist, Paul Mounts, letterer, Russ Wooten, editor, Tom Brevoort. Featuring a whole bunch of people along with the Future Foundation. But this Future Foundation is Mr. Fantastic, Invisible Woman, The Thing, Spider-Man, and Doctor Doom. We also have some supporting characters like Franklin Richards, Valeria Richards, Dragon Man, Wu, Will, Mick Kortorg, Tong Leach, Bentley, Alex, Artie Maddox, and... Nathaniel Richards. Now we need to shift a little bit. Our show took a left turn into Dan Slott's Amazing Spider-Man for a few issues, but none of that affects what is going on now. In fact, this issue picks up pretty close to where the last issue of FF left off, which makes perfect sense, as that was issue number one, while this is issue number two of that series. Right, and that involved Nathaniel Richards and Valeria making some kind of devil's bargain deal that Pot commits the Fantastic Family into helping out Doctor Doom, was it? Yep. And while Reed may have grudgingly accepted this proposal due to mental arm twisting from his daughter and his dad, not everyone else in the household is down with this variation on the definition of charity and goodwill. Who might you be talking about? You gotta be kidding me! Ah, Ben Grimm. And there went that really nice mahogany dining room table that everybody could sit around due to a faulty anger management technique. Come on, Ben. Why you gotta hate? Well, Ben seems to be a pretty straightforward guy. Doom is evil. Doom is the bad guy. Doom can go stick his head in Whoa, kids show, kids show. While Ben is rightfully raging and looking for an explanation about why they should help, Dr. Doom decides that now would be a good time to mock and insult the Rocky Dude. Is it true what I've heard, Benjamin, that when Johnny Storm died, valiantly facing an endless army, is it true that you... Surrounded by crying children, weeping at the inevitable death of your close comrade and friend. Is it true? Is it true that you just watched? How very brave. Pro tip. You do not win friends and influence people by mocking someone's sorrow when they were forced to watch their friends die. (laughs) Yeah. And Doom's little monologue goes over real well. Ben decides to really focus on replacing the dining room set by launching a chair at Victor's head. What chair? Oh, you mean that atomized cloud? And following throwing the chair, Ben launches himself at the Dictator of Doom. And Sue just freezes everyone. Well, now she does. After Ben has forced the decision for a new dining room set. You know, Sue, there are easier ways to remodel. Just ask Jeff. That was a low, eh, but accurate low. Now that everyone has been forced to chill out and stand, because there are no more chairs to sit on, we can get back to dialogue and not fists. Sue apparently missed the reason for the fight, which is that Doom is not only going to receive help from the FF, but he is also being allowed to move on in. I gotta tell you, this is a real Cousin Oliver situation we got going on here. Well, this is Val's idea. And as Jeff also knows... 
Whatever a five-year-old says is law. Nathan argues that one should keep your enemies closer than your friends, and Ben agrees that that statement is true, and he is all for helping that occur by leaving. And with that, Ben heads out to go to a bar, taking a very reluctant dragon man with him. Reed thinks that Sue should go too, to help talk Ben into all the benefits of joining this multi-level marketing scheme. Sue grabs the e-brake on that line of thought and pulls very, very hard. In what world do you think that she is on board with this malarkey she is firmly on team ben for this one doom comments that nothing is more important beyond doom's restoration to his full doomness he needs to be a hundred percent doom and that is a hundred percent more important than sue's opinions or the doghouse that reed is going to be sleeping in and now sue hits back a hundred percent threatening to top up his brain damage by giving doom a aneurysm making him her drooling pet and feeding him from the table if he's been good. (laughs) Oh, dang, Hickman. You just keep hitting with the imagery, don't you? Also, uh, what table? And as Sue walks out, dropping the mic, Spider-Man quips that Reed is definitely sleeping on the couch tonight. (sighs) Thank goodness that that was not destroyed by Ben and his little rampage. Know your audience, Webhead, and learn how to read the room, because the dead-eyed looks you are getting from those that are still there are chillin'. Reed does not excuse the insensitive information invoking Insecto and Individual, instead inviting him to the interrogation. Time for Doom to have a seat in the room and be judged by the Smarty Pants Brigade. Well, not judged per se. This is a classroom, and they are being taught to be analytical and to look for answers. But Bentley is here. Well, Rick, it... Come on, let's face it. It's not a perfect system, but it's what they got. But Reed lays out the problem. Doom has suffered massive brain damage, and they need to fix him so that he is back to his normal, evil, megalomaniacal self. (laughs) Hi. Question from the practical common sense student who sits in the far back. Have you lost your gersh darned ever-loving, muddier-flapping mind? Hey, it's funny that you should ask the same question as Alex Power, although he asked it in a nicer way. Bentley, of course, thinks that they should totally be doing it because it is the Dr. Doom. Spidey speaks up and pushes the ethics questions in a corner where it can be ignored forever and asks a very complicated question in a very intelligent way. He wonders if this is a physical problem with the brain or just a missing data issue. There is stunned silence as the kids realize that old Webhead is not a dummy. Heck, he even impressed one quarter of the Moloids, which is an accomplishment. True, but one quarter of the Moloids states that they don't like him, so that's a little bit of less of an accomplishment. Well, the Moloids do have a subscription to the Daily Bugle and read the threats and menaces op-ed that Triple J puts out on the Daily, so this dislike is really not too surprising. Reed confirms that Victor's noodle is solid and possibly El Dente, which leads Val to state that they need to just restore the ones and zeros that make up the dictator's intellect. Now, where, oh where, can they get a full backup of Doom's brain? It takes two pages of nearly identical panels of Doom, Reed, and Val playing who's on first, because they have the brain backup, for Victor to finally whisper Kristoff's name. Let's take a break and check out Muck's Bar, where the Thing and Sue are being served beer by Dragon Man. Ben is ready to launch an assault on Dr. Doom with the three of them. Just head back home and give him a good old-fashioned clobberin' time. Ooh, uh, sorry to correct you here, but it wouldn't actually be three of them. It would just be two of them. Because Dragon Man reminds Ben that he is a pacifist and only fights in defense. He has discovered that no one has changed the world by hitting someone. Dragon Man needs to watch the 2022 Academy Awards and get back to us. Am I right? (laughs) 
Uh, for now, he just gets Ben more beer. Sue admits that things are changing, and they need to figure out where they both belong. Interlude over. Let's head back to Ladveria, where Doom, Reed, Nathaniel, Val, and Spider-Man have traveled to. They arrive and are granted an audience with the current ruler of the country, one Christoph von Doom. Here's a little background for you. During a coup, Christoph's mother was killed and Doom decided to raise him as his heir. Part of this included a technological upgrade to the child's head, which included the ability to map all of Doom's knowledge and memories if Doom should ever fall. Kind of a break glass in case of emergency protocol. That glass pane was broken at one point and the knowledge upload occurred. Now they just need to reverse the process back into Victor. And as Spidey points out, what could possibly go wrong in this endeavor? Even Kristoff sees some problems with their plan. I mean, he is a copy of the original. And this would be a copy of a copy. And he has watched Duplicity with Michael Keaton on more than one occasion. Hey, don't you worry, you broken machine. Val is here, and she knows that they just are copying over the missing parts. Who cares if the ability to tie shoes is a little messed up? Uh, hey, Rick, by the way, what are the brain parts that are damaged in Doom? Oh, I got a sticky note on that. Uh, it looks like it's the parts that control intelligence and the ability to practice dark arts. Huh, that's a thing. Could you explain to me why we are going to give those back to him? Sorry about that. I lost the post-it notes. For now, the Dooms have been plugged into the Matrix, and the Alexa is playing weird science. Let's do this thing. After all systems check come up five by five, Reed mans the overwrite controls. Now I know that sci-fi writers and artists have given us stacks of pseudoscience and boxes of strange switches and controls, but when you put one of the smartest men in the world on a computer with two large buttons that say transfer and purge... While his number one nemesis is on a slab waiting for a reverse lobotomy... You really have to ask, how did we get here... Reed, after a long pause, which has both Spidey and his dad Nathan giving him the eyeball, resigns himself to some twisted level of ethics, or at least fear of his father, and he chooses transfer, even though his fingers lingered over that purge button for quite a while. Buttons are buttoned, knobs are knobbed, and switches are switched, so that science can science! Zack! Ba-boom! And in the fire, smoke, and debris of the lab stands the restored Doom! 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 And now that Daddy is restored, Kristoff is more than ready to hand back the crown. But Doom is not ready to resume his dictatorship. He made a promise to his goddaughter. And as Clinton Robeson knows, a boon from Doom is better than reasonably priced comic books. What the hate's you talking about? Doom made a deal! Val gets him fixed... He agreed to help her defeat her father, and he is ready to make that happen. What? What? Why that backstabbing young child? Oh, you know your daughter would do the same to you in a minute. Uh, I wish I could argue that, but it's true. And that's why I'm written into the will and I get all your cool stuff, which is all in boxes. <laughs> which is nice. Yeah. But let's not talk about that. <laughs> let's talk about the themes of this issue. We are going to talk about the cover of this issue. And... <laughs> well, <laughs> we got three covers here, and I didn't put one of them on our script, but that's okay, because I'll just hold it up here. Here's yep. the first cover. It's really cool. The first mm -hmm. cover is, uh, you want to you wanna talk about that one a little bit? It's a picture of Doom with crossed arms <laughs> while his brain transfer lab explodes in the background around him. It's Doom in front of a big fire explosion. It's it's awesome. Come on. <laughs> yeah. It's Doom not caring. Yeah, he's a cool guy. Cool guys don't look at explosions. And this explosion is surrounding him. Yeah, it's 
Doom in a metal suit with fire all around him. You would think, you know, bad combination, but it's okay. He's got some AC fans or something. Yeah, it's Doom. He don't care. <laughs> he, don't, he don't care. He's a honey badger. <laughs> uh, that, of course, is by Danielle Okuna. And Marco Djordvik is doing kind of a run of alternate covers. It's like each of the fan- the new Fantastic Four or the new Future Foundation, I should say. This one's Ben in his FF unitard. So he's got the missing sleeve shirt and long pants going on there, white. And he's looking all... Argh. And then we've got the third one, which is Greg Horn. And this is Thor Goes to Hollywood. And... It's to promote, like, everything else here, the <laughs> Thor movie that was coming out at the time in New York, and you've got Thor doing this horrifically painful falling over backwards, avoiding arrows that are being shot at him by Loki. It's it's a thing. <laughs> it's the worst Matrix ripoff you've ever seen. <laughs> it doesn't look like Keanu doing a really cool lean back, wave his arms while bullets fly by him. This looks like somebody nailed Thor's feet to the ground and then his spine got broken and he fell backwards <laughs> and he looks like he's all, yeah, pretty silly. I think we agree that the main cover is probably the best. It's Doom looking very oh, cool. Yeah. The, yep. Ben Grimm is good, but this is Doom with fire behind him. You can't oh, go yeah. wrong. Yeah, no, the Ben Grimm one is fantastic. That is a magnificent looking, lots of definition on him thing. He looks good. He looks real good. But yeah, it's no doom in an explosion. <laughs> Speaking of which, let's talk about some things in this book here. Uh, doom's broken. You know how we got here? Uh, no, unless uh, Sue had previously given him some aneurysms like she has in some what ifs. Made him so his brain don't go working good no mores. I really don't know. Yeah. I have no idea why Brain's Doom was broke. Yeah, I had to kind of look this up, too. I w- wasn't following it that much at the time. But according to the internets, at this time, or prior to this time, there was something called the Fall of the Hulks. And so how do we get from Fall of the Hulks to Doom being broken? Well, <laughs> there's this cabal of scientists that were called the Intelligentsia. And this was the leader, Dr. Doom, Mad Thinker, Wizard, Egghead, and the Red Ghost. and They gathered knowledge and created the Red Hulk, and there's a whole bunch of things that were going on at this time with with all this stuff as they were trying to fight the Hulk and they created the Red Hulk. But there's some point in time in here that the Intelligentsia, they turned on Doom and they partially lobotomized him with a robotic Hulk. Okay, that makes sense. Here's my take on that. I'm going to ignore the stuff you said, and I'm going to go off of my knowledge base. So, as a potential spinoff of the She-Hulk series, the Intelligentsia, which is a bunch of dude bros that are woman haters, did a toxic smear campaign on Doom and his woke values, and that caused him to have a a brain damage. That's my take on it. Okay. (laughs) I stopped listening. (laughs) (laughs) So, so a robot Hulk punched Doom until his brain went dumb? Yeah. The leader's there. Banner teleports in. Doom tries to save him. He succumbs to a poison pill that was laced with cosmic energy and absorbed from the Hulk robot. Anyways, so, yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a long dance around a barn to get to a point where they could have just said, he got punched in the the head so hard his brain stopped working. I would have been like, oh, that makes sense. A Hulk punched him. Yeah, okay. Knocked the smarts right out. Totally get it. Here's the one thing that I think I want to point out is that, and this is something we've been talking about as we've been covering this Fantastic Four and FF and Future Foundation series, and especially with our recent conversation a few months back, talking to uh, Douglas Woke about all the Marvels, the Fantastic Four as a book, as a concept, they're constantly 
starting off from scratch and utilizing things that have occurred in the past. This is another one of those examples, especially in the hands of somebody like Hickman, who likes to take recent or things from far in the past, obscure things or little pieces of where characters are or things that have occurred and incorporates that in. He's got something he wants to do with Doom. Oh, look, Doom is currently suffering from this partial lobotomy. I can use that. I can get Doom back to where he needs to be, and I can use that entire process as a favor to move my storyline off to its next logical step. So he's able to utilize what occurred here and the place where Doom was left and use that and get him back to being Doom and still use that logically in the storyline. I like that. I do like that. He's not just, you know, he is magically restored back, but there's a cost. No, I love Jonathan Hickman's writings. I love how he just grabs things from everywhere, makes up his own stuff and grabs things from just any source and just slams them together. And you're like, what's going on? And it's amazing. Jeremy Daw actually had written in saying that he had gotten in to, I think, Around, around this time with the Hickman run, and he was, uh, you know, when it was still Fantastic Four, and he was like, I feel like I'm two-thirds of the way into a giant epic opera, and I've, what have I missed? And it's like, dude, we'll find out together, because Hickman just kind of pulls stuff from wherever he wants to, and it, and it always does feel very much like, it, he never, it, he never really seems to have a start, you're just like somewhere in the middle of where his story is, and then he'll fill in the, the front parts yeah. later. So <laughs> I, I just think about what he did with the beginning part of X-Men on Krakoa. You know, he just, mm-hmm. we're doing a new era of X-Men and all of a sudden everybody knows why are the X-Men on Krakoa? What's the deal with all of these gates that they can teleport from? Why are X-Men that were dead back alive again? He's in the middle of telling that story. You will find out and we'll find out how we got here and we'll find out all the secrets together. But there's all this lore that he's building on top of established lore, and he keeps layering it up on top and top and top top of each other. And we get the start of that here. We are going to be starting this very epic run of books here of FF. We're not going to cover all of them because Alex Powers is not in all of them, but we're going to be following along with a lot of stuff. And we're going to get into the thick of it. We're going to get into the Council of Reeds. And we're going to get into a lot of cool stuff that eventually is going to go to Secret Wars. The third iteration of Secret Wars. Which is pretty sweet. But all this builds on top of each other. And it's it's fun to see. This book itself, though, there's a few things that happen. But there's a lot of loudness. And then there's a lot of quiet glances and quiet pages. <laughs> that is a great way of describing it. It has it's a massively a negative space comic. It yeah. is quiet pages. It is repeat panels. There's uh we kind of covered it with Val and Reed and Doom. Doom sitting in a chair in the room and Val's like, "Hey, we need a backup." Panel, panel, panel. I said we need a backup. Yes. Panel, panel, panel. Uh we need a backup. You're trying my patience, child. <laughs> panel, panel, panel. So we need a backup of your brain. Hmm, Kristoff. You know. <laughs> Steve Epting got two pages free of work <laughs> where he more or less had the same panel for two pages. I, I think, you know. Reed's head moved uh, back and forth a couple a, of times. A little bit, but I mean, it's not much. <laughs> but they, they were repeat. It was copy paste yeah. stuff. It was, yeah. And we are talking about four distinct acts here. And, and you could almost say three acts because you, you've got. The one act within the building where it's Doom's here, we're going to fight about it, and that moves into the room where they're interrogating mm-hmm. him. You've got Dragon Man, Ben, and Sue, but that's 
that takes a second. And then we have Doom being restored. That's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very few things, but we get a lot going on. We move the pieces into a specific shape. We accomplish two big goals. Doom's back to his power, and there is a cost that will be paid by Doom to his goddaughter. Yeah, and everybody else yeah. is going to pay that price as well. Yeah, also, when Doom's restoration was another great exercise in, okay, we've got the machine. They're hooked up. The machine's going. We've got everything plugged. Uh, Nathaniel gives Spider-Man a, a lore dump that's for the audience of what of what happened, who Kristoff is and everything. And they're like, okay, we're going to do the transfer. And it's two buttons. It's purge brain or transfer brain. And Reed is kind of just like looking at them. They're like, you know, it's like, hey, dad, are we ready? And he's like, yeah, give me a minute. And he's just staring at the two buttons. And then Spider-Man's looking at him. And then he's kind of like, uh-huh. And then he kind of looks over at his dad. And his dad's looking at him. And, you know, it's like you can tell. Spider-Man knows what's going on. Nathaniel knows what's going on in Reed's head. And Reed knows what's going on in his head. And he has to kind of go like, yeah, transfer. So there's there's a lot of quiet panels and internal. The, the other thing I was going to mention is, just, and I kind of touched on it a little bit, is the politics and power plays. A lot of this is the politics of what Val has got in place and the power plays she's doing. She knows that she's got a certain amount of respect from her dad that when she says things, it's not just a five-year-old saying them. It is a very intelligent individual saying them and that there's a reason for it. And then especially when she's got Nathaniel on her side, too, that also helps as well. So the politics between the family, the politics of bringing Doom into this organization and what Doom's going to get, I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive. It's pretty big. I have nothing to add to that other than saying... Yeah, the relationship with Vala is different because while she's a five-year-old, she's basically, she's got an old soul and is hyper-intelligent and is kind of like making plans of her own as a five-year-old. And it, it is different than talking to, say, my five-year-old who, you know, the other day has informed me that she already knew everything. And I'm like, it's such yeah. a shame her education has peaked in kindergarten. So, <laughs> Last thing I wanted to mention was, what do we think about this compared to Dan Slott? It fits and it doesn't fit. It, it's it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there is there was some communication about how the Fantastic Four were being treated. And I think they're pretty true to their characters. But there was a special way that Hickman's writing them. And there's a little bit of a special way that Dan Slott was writing them too. But I think Dan Slott took a lot of the cues from Hickman. And I think that he really worked them in well with what his stories were. Because it there are differences, but yet it still feels like we're telling the same story. They are definitely related, but I think Dan Slott's pushing a lot more on kind of the rom-com drama where Hickman is occasionally dropping a little bit of humor in there and it's more of like high drama. It's high-level humor. Yes, it's a little bit of high-level humor, but you know, it's it's also, you know, things like, yeah, because somebody's going to be sleeping on the couch and there's some little jokes that are dropped in there, but it is a lot bigger on the drama and a lot more on the grand sweeping scales. It's an epic with little bits of uh, humor dropped in here and there. Yeah. Where the Spider-Man stuff was basically like, now we make fun of Spidey. Now we make fun of Spidey. Now here's a joke. Now here's some Spidey being made fun of. Here's some funny, 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 haha. Here's a giant shrinking ape. Yeah. So they're in, they're definitely in, they're, they're kissing cousins is what it really seems like to me. They're in, they're definitely in the same, same universe, same world, but they're not the same entity. Yeah, I can go with that. I think we can get into our final thoughts now. I don't think there's anything else we need to talk about that. We're not going to pick up with pictures and rubber and glue moment and pair of the year awards. That's my thought though. 
So let's talk about final mm-hmm. thoughts. Jeff, we've got this room where we do interrogations. While some people may frown on it, I always think that uh, we should put up some pictures to make our interrogations more fun for us, mm-hmm. possibly intimidate the interviewees. That's the way I think about it. Oh, that makes sense. Well, it gives it that touch of home. Yeah, yeah. You it's know, that it, personalized touch that you want in your interrogation chambers. You know, if, if you're being interrogated and you look up and all of a sudden you see a dragon serving beer to you, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of funny, but it might be intimidating. <laughs> it might be like, wow, they're so tough. They've, they've got... They got a dragon bringing you beer. It's a big, beefy baby with wings. <laughs> I'll always try and call him baby, but yeah. The, 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 it's a dragon man in this bar wearing glasses, bringing two mugs of beer to the thing in Sue Richards. And nobody's batting an eye. Nobody's batting an eye at all. There's a little bit of eye bats. I know it, for the most part, it was a pretty chill bar because I was honestly looking at the background characters all the time. Not in every panel, but there's a lot of panels where there's kind of like somebody kind of like, huh, looking at them. And it's like, <laughs> it makes sense. There's also things where it's just like there's people sitting in tables near them in their chairs, just kind of doing their own lives. And then in the background, there'll be like two people in their tables, just like, that's a dragon man, man, dragon guy. What the? There's a dragon man that's just getting beer for a man made of rock. Apparently this happens. Apparently <laughs> It's New York. It's where all the heroes are. You're going to get used to it. Honey, we're paying $50 for babysitting for this. What the heck? (laughs) What about you? What kind of jokes you got there, buddy? My backup joke one is on page 19 of Marvel Unlimited. And I call it, hmm, seems like a design flaw. And this is the middle panel after they have transferred Doom's brain getting fixed from Kristoff's brain engram kind of thing. And the machine is going, zack, and... Energy's flying and Kirby dots are everywhere and the whole lab's about to explode because obviously that's what happens in science. A gentle brain transfer device is obviously going to just explode because that's science in Marvel. Everything (laughs) explodes. You want your tetanus shot? It's put on this vest because it's going to be an explosion. (laughs) So, (laughs) Well, you know, this is a simple machine, Jeff. It has two settings, transfer and purge. And so it doesn't have a setting for non-exploding. No, no, I don't see that on there at all. It says transfer purge. So it has on off. On is explosion. Off is not explosion. Look, you, you buy parts from discount Latvian Walmart. You get discount effects. Okay. You mean Doom Mart? Doom Mart. <laughs> you will buy here. That is not yes. a question. All right. Doom Mart Super Center, <laughs> where everything is super. <laughs> My top one is back on the history of Doom and Kristoff. And this is where, after Doom has adopted his hair, he is looking at his <laughs> newly acquired boy, and he's looking down on him, yeah. and, those, and the kid's playing with blocks, and it's a D-R-D-B, yeah. I, it's Dr. Doom! <laughs> <laughs> It's this, it's Doom looking at young baby Kristoff. Worst babysitter ever. That's all I have to say. Worst babysitter ever. It's worse than that because it's, I raised him as my own child. Oh, poor, poor Kristoff. But he got blocks, so that's cool. He got blocks and he got his mind replaced by a metal computer. Yay! Yep, there, yay! He got a brain transfer of his dad. Which I guess is just generational trauma (laughs) uh, personified from Doom. Thank you, Doom. My top joke one is the top panel on page four. And I call it, I'm going to kill you, chair. (laughs) 
And this is after Ben has smashed a table and then uh, Doom started talking some smack to him. Reed had wrapped Ben up in his stretchy body form and Ben has just grabbed him by the torso and ripped him off himself and Reed is a flibble-flobble machine. Ben is chucking a chair at Doom, but it really looks like Ben just really wants to kill this flying chair. He hates this <laughs> chair so much. Oh, I'm going to kill you, chair. That chair knows what it did. That chair knows what it did. It, it was being ornery, so it must mm-hmm. it must suffer. It must suffer. Oh, it's got to pay. If we're going to go into talking about backup good art, let me tell you about some good art. And it's a page after that. It's where he's out of chairs. And so Ben's got nothing else to do but throw himself. And he throws himself at Doom and he gets frozen there. Doom and Ben frozen by Sue. It's fantastic. It's awesome. It's wonderful. What did you call my top piece of art? I just called it frozen. (laughs) I called it freeze frame. (laughs) Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Oh, it is glorious. Yeah. I don't know if it's the artist or what but i know definitely 100 percent the colorist worked overtime on this and the colorist really made this one shine it, it's the glowing outline of the blue to show that they're frozen it, it's just really highlights everything and i think it really makes everything pop so oh it is so wonderful it is so so great i love it yeah it's my top one let me tell you what my top one was and this is all the way at the back it's following all of this science stuff that's occurred and it's doom sitting there in this destroyed laboratory or destroyed Mm -hmm. lab and i called it doom is back (laughs) and that was my backup one and it's on page 20 of doom unlimited and uh, i called it doom is reborn because that's what doom says on the very next page doom is back it's great yeah yeah big old splash page of the destroyed brain lab looking super cool with his technology going and his magic going and just everything's on fire so good yeah it's it's choice well i i like the fact that we did match that's nice Mm mm-hmm Yep. I'm kind of surprised about that. It it actually makes me think about you that you might actually have a formidable intellect, not unlike (laughs) Spider-Man, as we dive into rubber and glue moments. What was the best (laughs) or most childish insult? That was my backup one. And that was the Moloids talking about Spider-Man and saying that, yes, uh, unexpected, the Spider-Man also possesses a formidable intellect. Impressive. The fact that they're saying it means that they were surprised. And that is a bit of a punch at (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man. And it's great, yeah, because the other Moloid's like, I don't like him. And the first Moloid's all, I don't care. He raises a good point. (laughs) How does Doom's brain work? Is it broken physically or or what? What's going on? So, yeah, that's pretty great. My backup one is on page eight, and it is Sue. After Reed has driven away Ben, and Ben is like, screw this, Dragon Man, come on. You're buying me beer. I'll buy you beer. He's like, I'm an android. I don't drink. And he's like, you're buying then. (laughs) But this is Sue. Talking to Reed after Reed's like, why don't you go with him and tell him how wonderful it'll be to have Doom around here. And Sue's response to that is basically like, yeah, you know what? For a collection of brilliant minds, you all seem to be struggling to use your thumbs on this one. Struggling to use your thumbs. I'm like, that's a clever little uh, that's little not metaphor bad. there. That's I like not that, bad. Sue. Well done. Are we going to have the same for top one? Is it on page four? And is it something that I already said? I really kept mine to just being the last three words. How very brave. How very brave. Mine was his entire run. (laughs) Is it true? Oh, just. I also like it after Ben chucks a chair at him and Doom disintegrates it. And Doom's all like, well, is that all? Yeah. Yeah, just Doom's little, hey, Ben, let's talk for a second. Is it true? Just, oh. Although that's fine. But let me tell you, it's the how very brave at the end. That's 
Oh. Mm, that's that. Yeah. That's the turn of the screw. I just see it where you need all of that to just build to that how very brave because, oh, it's taking it and it is a fact, mm-hmm. but it's just twisting it in the meanest girl fashion possible. Yeah. Yep, yep. It's just cruel and cutting. It's not wrong, but it's also just done in such with just such a bitter heart. Ugh. All right. Let's talk Parent of the Year Award. The Reed Richards Award for Good Parenting. Jeff, who you got? I am going to go for the non-joke version of it and say actual good parent, and I'm going to give it to Sue. Okay. She said no fighting in the house. She (laughs) stopped the squabbling children from having a little fight. She also then (laughs) called everybody non-thumb users. And said that she's on Team Ben, not understanding why this should be existing at all. (laughs) I chose Doom. And, of course, this is being the ironic version of Parent of the Year. (laughs) Because let's talk about Doom and his son, Kristoff. I mean, wow. Mm -hmm. What is poster child for worst parenting ever? Oh, gosh. Worst. I mean, Reed just goes... I bow my hat to you, sir. You win this yep. award for all time. You and your son. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. The worst. The worst parenting in the world. I have a son. I am going to destroy his mind. This is not This is beyond gaslighting, baby. This is just mm-hmm. everything. Yeah, this is as far as you can go on. Raising you in my own image. <laughs> because I hooked you up to a machine. That puts my brain into and worse, yours. He does. It's not even his own image. It is a mirror. Yeah. It is a poor reflection of his image. He makes him less than he is because he wants mm-hmm. him to be a robot of him. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to be independent thought at all or to take over the leadership after he's gone. He wants to put everything he is into him. That's different. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's talk about most popular and most shunned. Identify the character who is the best and the worst in this series. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to change everything around here. And I'm just going to say this because I want to get out of the way now. Best with Sue for a lot of things you just said about her being a parent of the year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was not accepting <laughs> what Reed was putting down. And she wanted to keep the peace in the house. And she said, you know what? I'm going to check on my friend. I'm not going to worry about you. You're making questionable decisions here. I am going to check on my friend. I'm going to check on Ben. So I will move it on now. Who would you like to talk about, about best or worst popular or shunned Jeff? Well, let's, you've already started it on the reversal and it's creeping me out. We'll do the best first. You say Sue. I fully agree with that. That's wonderful. It's great. I am going to say the best is baby, AKA dragon man. (laughs) Okay. Hung out with his friend at a bar. That's great. Talked about his pacifism. That works out fine. But here's the big, big, big important part. And Rick, I think you can really get on board with this. Baby brought beer to Ben. No, that's perfect. And that is an amazing thing. And he brought beer more than once. On more than one occasion, he brought beer to his friend Ben. And that is amazing. And that is always going to be the best. Jeff, I do not want to disagree with you. No, okay, I love disagreeing with you. (laughs) You love disagreeing with me. He didn't bring beer just to Ben. He brought beer to Ben and Sue. True, but I but we saw Ben drink the beer. So well, Ben drinks the beer fast. Give Sue some time, okay? She's a little thing. She's not going to pound him like Ben does. So beer was brought to Sue, whether she drinks it or not. Yep. Whether she drinks it. so, Dragon Man's good because he brought beer to his friends. 
Let's be true. Okay. That is that is great. I did exclude Sue. It was a unconscious exclusion. It was not. It was not premeditated. Or she is going to put an aneurysm in your head. Mm. Okay. So my worst is Val because interesting, and I understand why. Because I'll have a similar yet different statement. <laughs> because she has all the answers and all the info. She's just playing with these people. She's just playing mm-hmm. with everybody. And mm-hmm. you know what? She needs to knock it the heck off. Okay? She needs to knock it off. <laughs> mm-hmm. I 100% agree with what you were saying. Yeah. 100%. Val needs to spend some time in the corner. And she really does. Val was on my naughty list. She really, really was. However, I decided to go to stick with me. Hold on. Who is it? Nathaniel. Oh, okay. Very similar situations. Nathaniel knew what was going on. Nathaniel is helping drive Ben away from the team. Nathaniel also isn't giving any information about what's going on in the future, why they're helping Ben. He's not Val, five-year-old. Nathaniel, indeterminate age, time traveler, (laughs) knows what's going on in the future, is a a parent, is a terrible parent, and is still is just ruining Reed's life, which is generally passing on Reed's trauma and damage to his children. Mine was Nathaniel, but for very similar reasons to Val. Because both Val and Nathaniel are on the exact same page. They both know what's going on. They both ambushed Reed with the Doom situation. Both of them. Yeah. Naughty, 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 (laughs) naughty. All right. Let's go ahead and rank this comic top grades. Let's look and see what we got. Top of the list still is Fantastic Four 588, Month of Morning. We've got spot number 11, Loners number four, What You Don't Know. Uh, Spot number 22, New Warriors Volume 1, Annual Number 1, To Bounce or Not to Bounce, where Speedball does some dumb stuff. Spot number 31, What Lies Beneath, Loners Number 3. Jeff, what do you feel like with this one? I need to kind of poke around on the numbers real quick, but this was, it was a good issue. Stuff, big things happened in it, but they were very, but they were small. There was a few acts, few locations. It, It was a... Here's my beef with this story. And, and it kind of goes back to the people that we chose as our shunned, as our worst in this mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. This could have happened a lot faster. We yes. could have gotten this information a lot quicker. We could have made this one of many books. This did not need to be an entire issue. So I, I kind of am hitting it for that. It's nice to have a yeah. slow-paced issue, and I can see why they, where they use the slowness of it. But, mm, you know what? The slowness worked for it, but it is a real slow drum beat. Because, again, what happened in it was, boom. There was not a huge lot of parts to it. And here's the thing. I'm throwing down three bucks for this book. So, yeah. I, I need something. There, you know, some, some stuff happened there, but what, what's going on? Yeah, out of your three bucks, you get... M- Maybe a story beat per dollar, yeah, kind of a thing. So that that's hurting it a lot for me. Mm-hmm. I'm actually thinking it's a little bit low here. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's look at perennial kicking dog Darkhawk War of Kings. Yeah. I was looking at the the second one twenty nine area. I was too, and I'm thinking, boy, you know what? It's it's really on the bottom here. I'm looking at what we've got for the last one on the bottom here, and it's where Julie's in the hospital and everyone finds out nothing. <laughs> <laughs> this is one step above. They bring Doom I on. I like this better. Oh than yeah, that. I do too. They bring Doom back and they fix Doom. Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he also drove away Ben Great. and maybe Sue. <laughs> so I I think somewhere in that twenty nine and thirty spot, somewhere in there. On top of twenty nine is Frank goes to a toy store and sees toys. Yeah, they, they have Impossible Man arcade. 
That story's yeah. got some great ideas. It just doesn't quite reach them, but it's got great yeah. ideas in it. This one, it's it's part of an issue. <laughs> this is a transition issue yeah. is what it really boils down to. It's probably getting to something potentially big in three, which we'll see coming up. I think that this is better than Darkhawk getting a personal trainer and yeeting himself into space. All right. We'll give this the new spot number 29. All right. So what do you think about the beer? Boss Rambler. Rad Habits. Yeah, Rad Habits. It's decent. Uh, I, I'm drinking it. It's a beer that I am drinking. It's 100% acceptable. It is not raging in my mouth. It is not destroying my sense of taste or smell. It exists, and I would drink it again. Yeah. It is a 3.5. Passable. Nice. It is... It's it's a fine plus beer. Yeah, I, I'm kind of 3.5 and 4... I think I'm going to go ahead and go with the, the 3.5. It And it's just because it's not exceptional, but honestly, it could be a four. I, I could see myself drinking this again. It's not that bad at all. It's not too bad. So I would definitely drink this again. It is mostly, it's, it's definitely harmless. Yeah, <laughs> definitely harmless. It's not a crazy challenging beer. It super exists. 100% drinkable, not crazy challenging. It's fine. It's 3.5 to me. It's, it's. Fine plus. All right. But speaking of something that isn't just fine plus, it is plus plus, that would be the kid's perspective. And that's where Rick talks to his 12-year-old daughter, Carrie, about the issue that we just covered. So, Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Dave. How are you doing today? Good, and you? Pretty good. Hey, it's kind of cool, though. Today, in a few hours, where are you and I are going to go? To the movies. Right, we're going to go see... Star Wars, right? Yeah, and I have no Star Wars shirts. I know. But the reason why we're going, I don't know if I told you this, is we're going because one of the fans of our show, Jeff Pollier, it's his birthday, and we're going to go see him for his birthday, and he's doing this big thing where he's got a theater rented out, he's going to show Star Wars to people. So that's cool, right? So say happy birthday to Jeff Pollier. Happy birthday, Jeff Pollier. (laughs) All right, we'll get on to regular stuff now. Okay. All right, we're here to talk about FF number two. Correct? Yep. What happened in this book? There was a lot of seeing Doom. Yeah? What was so special about Doom with this issue? Well, he lost his memory or something. Yep. The smart kids are going to try to do something about that. Yeah, and they figured out a way to get his memory back in, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And who was behind all of this? Who helped Doom get his memory back, or who kind of pushed this? Val. Why did Val do this? Are we going to talk about what happened at the end? Yeah. She's trying to defeat her dad. Uh-huh. And she needed a favor from Doom, right? Yeah. To help her. Yeah. So, let me ask you this, Carrie. And I'm going to steal this from another fan and friend of ours, Clinton Robeson. And I'm going to ask you this. Would you rather have Doom owe you a favor? Or would you rather have a whole bunch of money and Doom be your enemy? I don't know. Um, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> That's kind of hard, actually. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> um, well, here's the thing. It depends on how powerful Doom is in the moment. Like, he's normally really powerful, so... Exactly. Let's just say that he's going to be really powerful. So, probably ask a favor out of Doom. Maybe say, like... Try not to kill me. Have him owe you a favor, and that favor is not to kill you? Okay. Yeah, or my friends, or my family. Well, now you're asking an awful lot out of Doom. (laughs) (laughs) Too much. Too Too much much. to handle. 
What did you think about this book? Did you like it? Did you enjoy it? Was it too talky for you? It was okay. I mean, interesting that a four-year-old would want to... Plus four, right? Yeah. She wants to defeat her father. Well, she's a very smart four-year-old, and her father's Reed Richards. So, I mean, really, if I had a father like Reed Richards, I'd want to defeat him, too. That's fair. But, like, what way are we talking about? Like, probably not killing him? Well, or just... that's an interesting question. You need to figure out exactly what they're talking about, because there's a few things that are brewing. There's a few things that are happening, which are going to come out in the next few issues, which will explain something. But for right now... Let's just assume she wants to defeat her father. Well, yeah, but probably in some sort of, like, smart thing. Um, <laughs> smart test, whatever. No, she wants to defeat him. She needs to defeat him. She did something bad. So she needs What's to she? defeat her father. Okay. Haven't you ever done something so bad that you thought the only way to get out of trouble is just to defeat your father? No. I've raised you too well. <laughs> well... Do you want me to defeat you? That's the hope and desire of every parent to have their child defeat them one day. In what way do you want me to defeat you? Oh, I want you to be more successful and more comfortable and, and have just a better life than we have now. I mean, we've got a pretty good life, but I'm just saying, yeah. I wouldn't mind you having an even better life when you're older. Thank you. No problem. That's nice. I, I'm, pre I'm pretty sure this is a better way than Val's intending. I don't know. <laughs> Val's <laughs> got a pretty good life, so the only way she can make it better is to get rid of her father. <laughs> I mean, does she really need to do much? Her father's already, like, going around and on adventures. Yeah, but apparently he keeps coming back from them, so they gotta do something else. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> anything else you want to talk about? Any? Is there any artwork or any other scenes or anything that you want to talk about? No, I think that's it. And you found Alex Power on this issue, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure he just talks <laughs> like one speech bubble. Yeah, yeah. He just, he had some talking that he was doing with the room full of kids. But Power Pack was in this issue, so we have to cover it, right? Yes. All right. That's our mandate going forward. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite interesting. I mean, we ran out of Power Pack books. We find books with Power Pack in them. That's right. I, I keep finding some, too. <laughs> All right. That's all I've got for you. Thank you very much, Carrie. You're welcome. I love you. Love you too. Carrie, 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 I agree with you 100%. Shout out time. We like to recognize those listeners that take time to write in and leave us a review. This is for episode 127, where we covered The Amazing Spider-Man, number 659, Fantastic Voyage, part one. Al Sedano and his podcast, Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Clinton Robeson and his podcast, Fan Film Fridays, and Coffee and Comics. Fractal. Hoover Jeremiah and his podcast, Four Million Years Later. Jeremy Daw, who says, Carly Cooper has always intrigued me as a character. I'm curious how things develop for her as this coverage continues. Can't wait for the next episode. Limax7, who says, I've just been reading this chapter in Douglas Wilkes' book on some of this. Thank you for reading that book, Limax. Tim Price, the Podcrasher, and his podcast, The Outcasters. And he says, what I dig about these Spider-Man issues is imagining Slot saying to Hickman, oh, you want to use Spider-Man and FF? Then I get to use FF and Spider-Man or no deal, because drama. <laughs> we also like to thank those wonderful people that help us out on Patreon. We always could use some more support to make sure that we bring you us talking about beer and comics and stuff. So be like these wonderful people, like 
adorably astonishing and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging cheesy and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Intelligent, interesting, and innovative Isaac Perry. Jesting, joking, and jovial Jeff Bollier. Just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificent monologuing Matthew Laserwitz. Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews. Tyrannically terrifying and tame Tim Price. Way, way wordy and wobbly waffles. Weird and wonderfully wacky. Win. Next issue, we are going to be covering FF number three. Whatever happened to all those reads? Be sure to check out my other show that I sometimes do. A little bit of a hiatus right now. My monthly Monday movie muckabout show on the Longbox Crusade Podcast Network. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Rick present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of me playing with the Zippo lighter, which I shouldn't be doing, on a recording in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Merck Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Merck Present, our email address, Jeff and Merck Present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Merck Present.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Merck Present. And if you'd like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we'll be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to HeroInitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us, or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife Cindy and our daughter Carrie. My fiance Hillary and our daughter Aurora. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time, costumes, costumes off. off. Our theme music is 80s action by Kevin McLeod. Also featured in this episode is Total Happy Up and Sunny by Sasha N. All music is found on CopTech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Random banter. Random banter. Yeah, that was terrible. Zzzk. Spidey flounders to connect with his new... I write this and I don't know how to read it. Zzzk. Right. And that involved Nathaniel Richards and Valeria making some kind of devil's bargain deal with that pot com- that pot commits the fantastic- mm. Whatever a five-year-old says is law. They really think it is. So often somebody fights about that. Zzzk. The intel- intelligen- intelligentsia. Intelligentsia. Zzzk. And we got- Alice, oh, Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no